Well, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation this morning. The book of Revelation, chapter number two, and uh, shouldn't take you that long to find it. Uh, go ahead and just turn to the last book of the Bible, turn to chapter number two. So, Revelation. We'll begin reading in verse number one of Revelation, chapter number two. And here's, here's how I like to do this this morning. Can we read respectively? Respectively, meaning can, can we read together? When I read the first verse, can you read the second verse? And then I read the third verse and you read the fourth verse. And then on the fifth verse, can we read that together? Is that okay this morning? Can we do that? Is that okay? Okay. So we're going to read respectively this morning. I'm going to read the first verse. You read the second. And hopefully you do a little bit better than the first service. <laughs> All right. And uh, not, to bra not to rag on them, but uh, we should have been woken up by now. Okay. And uh, let's read um, this passage this morning. Verse number one. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Good job. And has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. On, on verse number five together this morning, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Good singing this morning, good reading this morning. This morning as uh, Lord, the Lord has laid on my heart, uh, a heart a message, as uh, we jump into the message, I like to pre um, preach a message entitled, and Lord help me with my words this morning, but I like to preach a message entitled, Your Prescription is Ready. Your Prescription is Ready. And so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much um, that we were able to sing and that uh, we were able to worship you. Thank you so much that we were able to be here and to really just be with the saints. And um, Lord, as we enter the message now, we pray that you just be with the message. We pray that you bless it. We pray that you bless your word and be with me. Help me. Um, to be clear, help me to um, get out of the way and not say anything that I shouldn't, but Lord, that you would just, your Holy Spirit would really just work in this time, work in the pews, work with those that are online. Holy Spirit, give us what we need to hear um, this morning. And so I ask you all these things in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Your prescription is ready. And when I said that, some of you looked at me and you said, huh? It's an interesting title for a message, isn't it? Your prescription is ready. When we think about prescriptions, we normally think about maybe a doctor's office. We think about a pharmacy. Prescription. Prescription normally has something, uh, normally has remedies on that that will help us with maybe an illness that we tend to have. A prescription. Remedies. I think about a man that got pulled over for speeding. He went to the doctor and he got a prescription for his glasses. He got prescription lenses. And you know, one day that man went out for a drive and he was on the highway. He was going over the speed limit. And a police pulled that guy over. And as the police walked over um, to the window, the police, he saw that guy and he says, license and registration, please. And that guy gave him his license. You know, the police looked at that license and it said that that man was supposed to be wearing his prescribed glasses, his prescribed lenses. And the police looks at that man and he says, sir, I'm afraid I'm going to have to give you a ticket. 
He said, you're not wearing your prescribed glasses. Then I looked at the police officer and he said, sir, I have contacts. The police officer, he looks at him and he's taken back a little bit. He said, sir, I don't care who you know, you're getting a ticket. <laughs> prescription, prescription. That man, he had a prescribed lens. Prescription. His prescription was that he was supposed to have a certain lens to be able to see. You know, we think about doctor, we think about, um, maybe we think about something like that with your, with your eyes. But then you also think about a pharmacist. When you go to the doctor, the doctor normally would say, hey, here's your prescription, your remedy for the things that you need. Go to the pharmacy and they will be able to fill your prescription. And then we go to the pharmacy, and not all the time, but sometime, the pharmacist will say, I need a while to be able to fill this prescription. I need a while to be able to give you the remedy that you need for your illnesses. And you know, they say, I will either text you, I'll email you, I will call you. And whenever they do, they say this, your prescription is ready. Your prescription is ready. That's so why I started thinking about it. What does the word prescription actually mean for us this morning? What does that actually mean? The word prescription means an instruction written by a medical practitioner that authorizes a patient to be provided a medicine or treatment. I'm going to read that again. That was, that was a mouthful. I'm going to read that again. What does a prescription mean? I'm going to read that again because we need to understand this meaning if we're going to understand really this message. Okay, What is actually a prescription? Here we go. An instruction written by a medical practitioner that authorizes a patient to be provided a medicine or treatment, or I guess you can say a remedy. You know, I don't think anyone in here will, will disagree when I say that Jesus is the greatest physician. He has all authority to prescribe us the remedies that we need. And you know, the Bible is probably the biggest book that has the most uh, prescriptions in it for the issues of life. Jesus is our physical or Jesus is our physician and the Bible is our prescription for all the remedies that we need for the issues of life. And so as we go through this passage, we see that the Bible prescribes a remedy for anyone that has left their first love. The Bible prescribes a remedy for anyone that has left their first love. And so when we think about that, I think every one of us in here needs to be thinking, do I need this prescription? Have I left my first love? Do I need this prescription? Just as we go into our passage today, we see that this letter that, that we're currently in and we're reading is the letter to the church at Ephesus. Now let's back up and let's think about the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John. You see that in Revelation chapter number 1 verse 1. The Bible says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And then in verse number 9, the Bible says, I, John. So we see that John is the one that's writing the book of Revelation. And I like John. John is described in the Bible as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I'm not going to get into that in detail with that today. But I think there was, there was, there was, I think there was a candidate here that should have been able to see the revelation of God. And it is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so the Bible says that John is the writer 
but John is also given instructions. In verse number 11, the Bible says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in the book. John was given instruction by Jesus to write whatever he sees. He was given instruction. He says, write whatever you see, and then look at what else he's supposed to do, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. And so we're not going to go to in depth with who these seven churches are, but we're going to list them. We're going to try and identify them. In that passage, you'll see them. But we see the church at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and the church of Laodicea. But we're not going to talk about those other churches. We're going to talk about the first one. We're going to talk about the church at Ephesus. What was it that Christ told John, hey, when you see this, write this to the church at Ephesus. We're going to look at this. This letter to, to Ephesus. We see five descriptions surrounding this letter. Five descriptions by way of introduction. Five descriptions. We see, first of all, the description of the physician. You know, when we go to the doctor, that's how it happens, isn't it? They tell you, they say, go into the room. The doctor will be with you shortly. And you know that doctor comes in and he says, hi, my name is so-and-so. I will be your doctor for today. And we look around that room and maybe we see a plaque that says PhD here, PhD there, or we see degree here. And he says, I've been doing this for a while now. And he gives you an introduction about himself. Well, we see the description of the physician. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. You know what Jesus is telling this church? Hey, I have authority. I am qualified to tell you what I'm about to tell you. I am qualified to give you these remedies that you need. And Jesus, he certainly is. I don't think anyone in here would disagree with that. He is the great physician. We've seen so many instances in the New Testament specifically of where Jesus healed someone. He's the greatest physician that ever lived. And so Jesus is telling this church, he says, hey, I'm qualified. Here's who I am. He says, I'm the creator. Look in verse number one. He says, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. He says, I have the power to hold the seven stars in my right hand. He says, I'm the creator. I am qualified to tell you these things. But he says, you know what? Look at what I do. That's who I am. Look at what I do. He says later on in that verse, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now that golden candlestick represents the church, or at least the light that is in the church. And Jesus says, I am the one that holds that light that is in the church. And as a church, we are supposed to be a light and example. He says, I am the one that holds that light. I am the center of the church. You know, he said that to um, Peter. He says, upon this rock, speaking of himself, will I build my church. And today, it's because of Jesus. Jesus holding the light of Victory Baptist Church. And so he says, I am qualified. I'm the creator. I am qualified. I, I'm the reason why that church is even standing. Why your light hasn't even, I hold that candlestick for you. And so he says, here's my description of who I am, who I am and I can tell you what to do. The description of the physician. But then after that, doctors, they butter us up, don't they? We go to the doctor and uh, they say, I am so-and-so. And it said, we've ran a check on you and uh, your vitals look good, right? And uh, you're doing good, your, your heart looks healthy, you're doing good. And so we see in our passage today the description of the patients. The description of the patients. In verse number two, the Bible says, Jesus says, I know thy works. Jesus says, church at Ephesus, I know your works. You are a serving church. 
you're a serving church. He says, not only are you serving, look at the word works, and then look at the fact that he says, I know thy labor. Now, I think works and labor, isn't that the same thing? Isn't labor working? But you know that, that word labor does not mean to actually labor, but it means the result of labor. It actually means the weariness, the pain, the intensity that comes from laboring. What Jesus is saying unto them, I know thy works, I know what you do, but you know I also know the hard work that's behind it. You are a hard-working church. He says you are serving church. I love that, but you are a hard-working church. He's giving them praise, high praise for this church. He says you're a hard-working church. He also says you're a patient church. Look in verse number two. He says, I know thy works. I know thy labor. I know thy patience. He says, and now thou canst not bear them which are evil. He says, I also understand that you're a separated church. He says, you are separated from those that are evil. He says, with a church, he says, you're doing a good job for a church. You are separated from the world. You're a separated church. And then he says, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and has found them liars. Jesus says, you know, you're a separated church, but you're also a discerning church. He says, you can discern the people are not who they say that they are. He says, you can discern that they are liars. He says, so church at Ephesus, I, I like you. Here's some good praise for you. You're doing some things good. Here's your description. You're a serving church. You're a hardworking church. He says, you're a patient church. You're separated. You're discerning. You're, you're, then he says in verse number three, you're steadfast. In verse number three, he says, and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. The Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, you are a steadfast church. And as I think about the praise that Jesus gave to those patients, we could stop right there. And I could say, church this morning, Victory Baptist Church, we need to be like this Ephesian church, and we need to do these six things. I could give you a fancy and say we need to, this is the six marks of a, a good church that Jesus said. You know, I could say that, but he wasn't done. And you know, when you go to the doctor, they butter you up and they say your vitals look good, but hate that, don't you? you things are, are going good, but. In verse number four, Jesus says, you're doing all these things well, nevertheless, but there's a problem. You're doing things well, but there's a problem. And Jesus says, here's a description of the problem. Here's a description of that problem. But you know, before we get to that problem, you know, I think this makes us realize that we should not get complacent. We should not get complacent with the fact that we are serving, we are hardworking. We should not get complacent with the fact that maybe we are separated and uh, we are steadfast. We should never get comfortable where we are, but always abound in growing in the grace of God in our walk with Him. The Bible says, a, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not get comfortable thinking that because we are doing some things right that there is absolutely nothing wrong and neglect the things that are wrong. Jesus is telling this church, you do some things well, but you know there's a problem. There is a problem. Here's a description of your problem. He says in verse number four, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. He says, I'm sure you love serving. I'm sure you love the fact that you're separated. I'm sure you love the fact um, that you are a hardworking church. You're steadfast. I love that for you, and I'm sure you love that. But you know what? 
You have left the reason why you do this stuff in the first place. You have left your first love, and your first love is loving me. So why are you doing all these things when you've left the reason why you're doing these things? He says, your first love is you're supposed to love me first and then do these things. You know, I think about a story in the Bible. You see this in Luke chapter number 10, the story of Mary and Martha. The Bible says Jesus came into this house. And he says that um, as Jesus came into the house, that Martha was cumbered about with much serving. But Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And when Martha got upset that, hey, Jesus, she is not helping me serve you. You know what Jesus said in verse number 41 of that passage? Jesus says, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus told Martha, he said, Martha, you're missing it. He said, it's not about what you do for me. It's not about your love for the things that, will, um, that you can do for me. He says, but it's about your love for me. And so that's what Jesus is trying to tell this Ephesian church. He says, it's not about the things that you love doing. It's about actually loving the reason why you do those things. And that's loving me first. They left loving Jesus. I think in here today, we need to be asking ourselves, have we left loving Jesus? Now, I wondered... Why does the Bible say the word left? It could have said lost. It could have said you've lost your first love. Why did it say left? Because I, in my mind, whether you've lost it, whether you left it, you don't have it. So why did he say left? But you know, when we lose something, it's the implication that we have to go and find it. But when we leave something, it's the same place. It never left. It's the fact that we left it. I think about the fact that my wife and I, we go, to, um, we go on date nights to Houston sometimes. And normally I will, I won't have to use it the whole time, but normally I'll have to see the GPS to see the area that it's in and have to try and find this place. But I can tell you one thing. I tell her I have good bearings. I can tell you one thing. I never have to use the GPS to get back home. I know where my home is. It's not going to go anywhere. I know where that is. And ladies and gentlemen, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we leave our love for him, he's still there. It's us that's left him. Amen. And so the question that we need to be begging ourselves with this morning is, have we left our first love? Because Jesus can be right here. We can be serving him and be going this way. Thinking that all this stuff that we are doing to serve Jesus, us coming to church, us giving tithes, whatever it is that we may be doing, the ministries that we may be in, we could be doing all these things, thinking that we're going toward Jesus, but we're going so far away from him. And Jesus says, you've left your first love. You didn't lose it. You don't have to find me. I am still here. You just have to return to me. And ladies and gentlemen, the Bible, our passage this morning, describes a remedy. Or it prescribes a remedy for anyone that has lost their, or here we go. I'm going to fix my thinking here. For anyone that has left their first love. Have you left your first love? This morning, have you left your first love? And so I, 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 as I'm pre, uh, praying about this this past week, and, and God's definitely done a number on my heart about this. I've definitely been convicted about plenty of things that this Ephesian church is doing that I've been doing in my life. And I've, as I've been getting right with God, I said, God, why have me preach a message like this today? You know, it's kind of the same message that we just heard on Wednesday. We looked in the book of Micah, where God told the, the people of Israel, hey, in order for you to, um, there's just three things I require from you. Three things that will stop you from doing the things that you should not doing. 
You need to live uh, justly. You need to love mercy. You need to walk humbly. So I started thinking, that was God telling the children of uh, the nation of Israel, hey, you need to get back to the basics. And this passage, essentially what Jesus is telling each and every one of these people in the church at Ephesus is, you need to get back to the basics. So I said, God, why are we preaching another back to the basics message? And you know, as I studied, I realized it's not really the same. Because as we live justly and love mercy and walk humbly, you know, the reason why we should do those things in the first place is because of our love for Jesus. And so I thought, I said, well, God, is it the fact that we need to get deeper? God said, yes. Yes, Victory Baptist Church needs to know that they need to get back to the basics of what they need to do for God. But even deeper than that, they need to get back to the basics of loving God in the first place. And so it, again, sparks a question in my mind. Why have me preach it in this order? Why then have me preach what we should do and then have me preach on Sunday why we should, why we should do them? I started thinking, have you ever seen the movie Star Wars? They come out with episode four, episode five, episode six. And it came out with episode one, episode two, episode three. And you know the, the creators of that movie, they did that. So when, they, when you saw episode four, five, and six, you can get the background context of why the things happened in four, five, and six. And it gave you a better understanding of the story. Did it not? And I think today what Jesus is trying to say is we need a better understanding of the things that we need to do. We need a better understanding of why we need to do the things that we need to do. We need to return to our first love. And so, as, as any doctor's visit, you have the description of the physician, the physician. You have a description of the patients. You have a description of the problem. But then you know the doctor says, after he tells you that problem, he says, here's your prescription. Here's some remedies that will help you to feel better. And ladies and gentlemen, in our passage today, we see a description of the prescription. We see a description of the prescription. And so as we enter the message today, ladies and gentlemen, I would like us to, to see three helpful remedies that will help us to return to our first love. Three helpful remedies that will help us to return to our first love. So if you're taking notes, three helpful remedies today that will help us to return to our first love. Jesus wastes no time with this. He says in verse number four, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And waste no time saying in verse number five, first of all, if you're going to return back to your first love, what you need to do is remember. He says you need to remember. The Bible says that anyone, the prescription, the remedy for anyone that has left their first love is that we need to remember. But here's the thing. Remembering is not always easy, is it? It's not always easy. We're prone to forget. We're prone to forget. I heard a story one time about this old couple. And uh, this couple, they went to the doctor. And they said to the doctor, um, we have been having problems with our memory. And the doctor said, okay, because you've been having problems with your memory, I will prescribe you something. Here's what I'm going to prescribe for that, that loss of memory. He says, write everything down. He says, that's your remedy. He says, if you want to remember everything that you have been forgetting, he says, write everything down. And so one day, this old couple, they go home, and they're on the, the couch. And grandma, she's sitting there, and she says, you know what? I want a bowl of ice cream. 
Grandpa says, bowl of ice cream. Got it. He starts to get up and starts to walk away. She says, aren't you going to write that down? Says, no. Bowl of ice cream. I got it. Grandma says, okay. Well, I want one scoop of vanilla, one scoop of chocolate. Grandpa says, okay. He starts to turn around and, and go to the kitchen. Grandma says, aren't you going to write that down? Grandpa says, no. Bowl of ice cream, one scoop of vanilla, one scoop of chocolate. Grandma says, okay. Okay. Well, I want whipped cream. I want you to add some fudge, and I want a cherry on top. Grandpa says, okay. He goes, turn around. Grandma says, okay, surely you're going to write that down. He says, no, I got it. You want a bowl of ice cream, scoop of vanilla, scoop of chocolate, whipped cream, fudge, cherry on top. Grandma says, okay, got it. 15 minutes goes past, and uh, Grandma can hear in the kitchen pots and pans banging. She can even hear sizzling on the stove. Grandpa comes back into the room with a plate of bacon and eggs. Grandpa gives that plate of bacon and eggs to Grandma. Grandma looks at that plate. She looks at him. She looks at the plate. She looks at him. And with pity in her eyes, she lets out a sigh and she says, I knew you should have written that down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> and some of you will get that on the way home. <laughs> but sometimes we forget the toast. Our memory is not as good as we would like it to be, you know. We are prone to forget. But aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't say, hey, don't forget? He didn't say, hey, don't forget. He says, remember, because he knows that we, we will probably forget and that the action that we need to do is to remember. And so he says, remember. Remember, because you are prone to forget, so you need to remember. If you have, have left your first love, sorry, you need to remember. And I started thinking, what is it that we need to remember? Well, the Bible says in verse number five, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. We need to remember. What is it that we need to remember? We need to remember the condition that we were once in. And I see this in two ways. How do we remember that condition? Well, first of all, I think we need to remember our lives before salvation. We need to remember our lives before salvation. You know, when I got saved as a teenager, one of the things that I struggled with deeply is acceptance, is fitting in, not really fitting in, but acceptance, always wanting to please people. My, my Enneagram, if you know what that means, is a nine. I am a peacemaker, but in some ways I also like to, I guess in some place, and in some ways since I like the peace, I try to please everyone so that peace can come together. But I always struggled with feeling accepted, or finding my place, or feeling loved, I guess you can say. But you know, I would not go back to that place for anything in the world. And when I remember where I once was, you know it helps me to be very thankful for where I am right now. He says, you need to remember. You need to remember. The Bible says, I remember the days of old. I meditate all on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hand. That word muse, I meditate on the works of thy hand. He says, you need to remember the condition that you are in. You need to remember where you were before you got saved. I also think we need to remember what it was like after we got saved. I think we've all seen um, or experienced it in our own lives. When we first got saved, there was a fire that was in our hearts. Or we've seen someone that they first get saved and there is a fire that is there. 
Why? Because once we realize that, hey, I was on my way to hell, and I asked, God, I asked Jesus Christ to save me, and I am no longer going to hell, but I'm going to heaven, that does something for us. That changes us. That gives us a fire. That wants us also want to spend more time with God. As I think about that, when I first got saved, that's how I was. When I first got saved, I wanted to learn more about who Jesus was. That was me. So my youth pastor, he says, here, I'm going to give you uh, two examples. I've been trying to tell uh, the, the guys this in, in, in the youth department now. But he says, I'll, give you two, I'll give you two things in, in each uh, uh, testament that you can read. He says, I'll give you two in the Old Testament, two in the New Testament. He says, in the Old Testament, go ahead and read the book of Psalms for encouragement. If you ever want to be encouraged, go ahead and read the book of Psalms. I, I completely agree with that. He says, if you want wisdom, go ahead and read the book of Proverbs. I completely agree with that. He says, those are your two in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, if you want to learn more about the Jesus that you just trusted in, he says, go ahead and read the book of John. Here we go. We got John back in the picture. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because John gives a description of Jesus in the book of John that none of the other Matthew, Mark, and Luke writers of the life of Jesus wrote about. He has a different outlook. And he says, read John. He says, and then if you want assurance of that salvation, if you want to know more about that decision that you just made, he said, read the book of Romans. And so I had my, I had my, uh, my, my, my step process, if you will. Read, read Psalms in the morning if I want encouragement. Read uh, Proverbs in the morning if I want wisdom. Read John um, in my spare time and read Romans in my spare time or at night if I want to learn more about Jesus and, and uh, learn more about who he is so I can apply it to my life. Or read Romans so I can know more about the salvation and the decision that I just made. We need to remember our lives after salvation. What was your life like before you got saved? And then we'll ask yourself, what was your life like after you got saved? Because that's what we need to remember. We need to remember. And when we remember those things, when we think about where we are right now, we need to, one, be thankful for the fact that we are not where we used to be. But we also need to ask ourselves, am I walking as close to Jesus as I once did after I got saved? He says you need to remember. The Bible says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. We need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to return back to our first love, we need to remember. He told us, Ephesian church, it's good that you're doing all these things, but you have a problem. You left your first love, and what you need to do is remember. And ladies and gentlemen, what we need to do is remember. If we, at this point in the message, can say, you know what, I think maybe I have left my first love. The Bible prescribes a remedy for anyone that has left their first love. And guess what? Your prescription is ready. Your prescription is ready. Have you left your first love tonight, uh, this morning? He says you need to remember. And then in verse number five, he goes on, he says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. He says, you know, you need to remember, but you also need to repent. You need to repent. If you've left your first love, you need to repent. And that word repent there means to change one's mind or to think differently. To reconsider. And you know, we need to maybe stop and to think about what we are actually doing. And we need to repent. We need to reconsider. I see this. What do we need to repent of? Well, number one, we need to repent of our belief. We need to repent, just like this church at Ephesus, we need to repent of the belief that, hey, 
I've been doing good. There's actually nothing wrong with me. I'm serving, I'm working hard, I am steadfast, and I am disseparated from the evil that's out there. I have, I have discernment. We need to repent. Jesus says we need to repent of that belief. Why do we need to repent of that belief? The Bible says every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the hearts. It's not about what we believe. We can think that we're all good. We can think that we're the greatest person on earth. But guess what? We need to repent. Because things may not be as they seem. I'm sure this church at Ephesus, when they got this letter, they thought to themselves, we're doing good. See, Jesus is praising us. And then when he gets to the problem, then they say, oh, woe is me. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, we need to think to ourselves, is actually woe is me. We need to repent of our beliefs. But you know, when we repent of our beliefs, we also need to repent of our behavior. When we reconsider the things that we have been doing, you know, we need to think about uh, the things that we have been thinking, that thought of, hey, I'm, I'm doing good. We need to repent of what we've been doing because of that thought. We need to repent of our behavior. The Apostle Paul said, now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed unto repentance. Not that I repented with my belief, but that that repentance of that belief in turn forwarded to repentance of what I am actually doing. We need to repent in our behavior. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We need to repent this morning. We need to remember. We need to remember what life was like before we got saved. We need to remember what life was like after we got saved. That'll help us a great deal. I know that's helped me a great deal. We need to repent. We need to repent for thinking that everything's all good. We need to repent of how, we, how that's made us live. That's made us live like a Christian or a church that can just do all these shallow things for Jesus without loving him. We need to repent of that behavior. And so Jesus is saying, hey, church at Ephesus, you need to remember, you need to repent. But look at the third thing. He wasn't done. In verse number five, he says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. He says, and do the first works. He says, you know, you need to remember, you need to repent, but you need to return. Do the first works. You need to return. Now, I thought about this. What is the first works? Because when I think about this passage, you think the first works of this passage would be verse number two, right? So is Jesus saying we need to remember, repent, and then start serving again, and then start being hardworking and doing the things that the Ephesians says um, the Ephesians were doing? But that's not so. Because what the Ephesians are doing are their current works. So what then is the first works? The first works of our salvation. What was life like after we first got saved? What did we first started doing? And as we said, with remembering. One of the first things, I don't know about you, but about me, that one of the first things that I started doing after I got saved was I tried to cultivate my relationship with Jesus Christ. I worked on knowing who he was. I worked on that, that um, salvation aspect and learning more about the salvation that he gave me. I worked on it. What did you do? What was your first works? He says you need to return. The first works. Return to fellowship with the Savior. You need to return to fellowship with the Savior. The Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. We ought to be walking with Jesus. But when we don't do that, 
when we leave that love for, for God and that time that we should be spending with Him on a daily basis, and we think that we can just do all these shallow things, and we've left Him, why are we doing those things if we've left loving Him in the first place? He says, return to fellowship with the Savior. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The book of Acts Return to fellowship with the Savior. And here is one more thing. I will say, this was me, this may not be everything, everybody, but this was me. When I first got saved, and I realized that I no more had to please friends, but I had to please my Savior, it did wonders for me. I will say that. But you know what else happened? I wanted to be in fellowship with the saints. I wanted to get around people that loved God just as I did. I wanted to get around a church that preached the things that I were reading about at home. I wanted to see a people that could um, 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 show me more about what I should be doing in my life. You want to know why? Because the Bible says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I wanted to get around God's people so I can be provoked unto love and to good works. And yesterday, I think about our pastor as we're praying for him. Yesterday on Facebook, the Williams, Brother Billy and Ms. Valerie, they posted, hey church family, let's get together and let's pray for our pastor. And we, we had a numerous amount of people praying for pastor yesterday at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. Some people that didn't even comment on the post, I found out later that they were praying for pastor. You know what that was? A provoking unto love and to good works. And it wasn't here. It was on Facebook. On Facebook. Fellowship. So that means we can fellowship on Facebook, huh? Isn't that interesting? But provoking unto love and to good works. That's the definition of provoking one another unto love and to good work. Provoking us to pray for our pastor. The Bible also says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. It shouldn't be anything odd that we would come to church today and spend time with one another um, after the service and talk to one another and say, hey, how's your week going? Hey, would you read your Bible? Hey, how's your ministry going? Hey, is there anything I can pray for? Because we, de- we do that here in the service, don't we? We're here together and, and uh, we sing songs unto God. But we also pray together. It should be like nothing for us to provoke one another unto love and to good works. We need to return to fellowship with the saints. Return to fellowship with the Savior. Maybe you have it by now. Maybe you can actually say, okay, maybe I'm getting it. Maybe I have left my first love. If you have, the Bible prescribes a remedy for anyone that has left their first love. And guess what? Your prescription is ready. Your prescription is ready this morning. We need to get back to fellowship with the saints. You know, the Bible says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. We ought to edify one another. But you know what other verse I think of? I think of a verse in Proverbs where it says, Iron sharpeneth iron. We ought to be sharpening one another. And don't get me wrong. I am not saying that if, um, um, if someone is not here today, they are missing fellowship with the saints. I understand everything that's going on with this coronavirus and, and everything was going on um, with the fact that um, some people may have underlying conditions. I am not ignorant to that fact. I know that fact. And I'm not trying to, um, if anyone's watching by way of live stream, I'm not trying to guilt anyone and say, hey, you need to get back to church. What I am saying, if we are able 
come to church. We need to be in church. Because it's when we think we don't need to come to church, that's exactly when we need to come to church. It's when we think we don't need to spend time with our Savior. We don't need to be in fellowship with our Savior. That's exactly when we need to be in fellowship with our Savior. We need to remember. We need to repent. We need to return. Do you need to do those things? Do you need that prescription tonight? Because if you do, your prescription is ready. You don't have to wait. Your prescription is ready. And so with any doctor, the doctor gives you a prescription, right? First of all, we had his introduction, I'm so-and-so. We had, oh, your vitals look good, everything's going good, but there's a problem. And then he goes ahead and he says, now, here's what's going to help with that problem. Here is the remedies for that problem. Then you know what the doctor says? But if you don't take these prescriptions, if you don't take these remedies, what do they often say? Things will get worse. The doctor says, if you don't take these remedies, there will be peril. And ladies and gentlemen, in our passage, our fifth description, the description of the peril. The description of the peril. You know what Jesus says in verse number five? He says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. And he wastes no time saying why they need to do these things. He says, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Candlestick out of the church. He's going to come and remove that, he tells the, the Ephesian church. What does that mean? Well, as a church, we are to be a light and example. You know, in Matthew chapter number 5, Jesus um, said, ye are the light of the world. That applies to every Christian and even to the churches. You're the light of the world. And so Jesus tells this church, if you don't get back to your first love, I will come and remove that light from the midst of that church. And what he's trying to get um, this church at Ephesus that I think we all need to get this morning is that when we leave our love, we will eventually lose our light. If you have left your first love, you will eventually lose your light. I think that's standard. We can see that within every relationship. Bear with me for a moment as I illustrate this. I think about our relationship uh, with Roger. Me and Roger are friends. I think about my relationship with Roger. If I thought that everything I did for Roger equals or was the equivalent, okay, that's, that's, more, uh, that's more fancy, if I thought that everything that I did for Roger was the equivalent of me loving him, Roger would see that shallowness and my light and example of a good friend is gone. Think about my relationship with my mom. If I thought to myself, everything that I do makes me a good son, uh, a good son and my mom looked at me and she saw that I had lost or left her, my love for her, my example and light as a good son is gone. Think about my relationship with my wife. If I have left my love for my wife, and let me clear something up this morning, I love my wife, okay? But if I have left my first love for my, my wife, and if I think that everything that I do for my wife equals my love for her, she will see that shallow works, and my light and example of a good husband is gone. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus sees our shallow works. 
And if we are not in love with him, he sees that shallow works. And we are risking our light. We are, we are risking losing that light. Have you left your first love this morning? I think we should all be able to answer that question for us, for ourselves by now. We should all be able to answer that question. Have we left our first love? If we have, your prescription is ready. Your prescription is ready. But you know, as I think about the prescription, as I think about what a prescription actually does for us, you know, a doctor tells you, hey, when you take these prescriptions, you need to take two a day. You need to start taking them, maybe they say tomorrow, you need to start, or you need to start taking them even today. Ladies and gentlemen, there's one thing that we need to understand. Your prescriptions will never help you if you don't take them. If you don't take your prescriptions, they will never help you. Now, why do I say that? But I think sometimes we come to church and we, we hear a message like this, where God is clearly saying, hey, this is what needs to be done. You know, we sit in our seat and we say, I'll take care of it later. But when we go to the doctor, the doctor tells them, hey, if, if you take this later, you are risking things getting worse. Why, would, why are we risking today, ladies and gentlemen, things getting worse? Are your prescriptions ready now? Your prescription is ready now. Why don't you do the things that you need to do to return back to your first love now? Why, why treat this like this is uh, some fast food restaurant? That is like this is takeout. Why do we do that? You know what I think we need to do this morning? If we recognize that we have left our first love, you know what I think we need to do? We need to come down to a good old-fashioned altar this morning, and we need to return to our first love. Yeah. Jesus says, you need to remember. You need to remember what your life was before salvation and after. You need to repent. You need to repent of that behavior and that belief. You need to return. You need to return to the first works. Return to fellowship with him, and return to fellowship with the, the, the saints. Have you left your first love this morning? Because the Bible prescribes here in Revelation chapter number 2 a remedy for anyone that has left their first love. And if we think, because I know it is possible that there is someone in here that is thinking, this passage is not for me. If we think that that is the case, look in verse number 7. Go ahead, look in verse number 7. You know the Bible says in verse number says, when Jesus said this, he says, He that hath an heir, let him hear. What the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know what Jesus is saying? Anyone that reads this letter, beware. This can happen to you. And ladies and gentlemen, this, let us not be ignorant this morning that this can happen to us. This can happen to us. And if we have left our first love this morning, this can happen to us. And if you recognize and if you say, honestly, I have left my first love. I think I got it down now. We're at the end of the message. I think I've gotten it down now. I think I've left my first love. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible prescribes a remedy for anyone that's left their first love. How's your relationship with Jesus this morning? How's your love for him? Are you just doing a bunch of things that you think equals your love for him, or do you actually love him? If you would say, yes, I think, I think that is it. I think I need to come down to the altar this morning. I think I need to get things right this morning and not put them off. I think that is me. I have left my first love. Ladies and gentlemen, your prescription is ready. Miss Ruby, if we can get that up on the screen. Ladies and gentlemen, your prescription is ready. 
It is ready and it's from the Bible. It is from Revelation chapter number two. It is ready and all you need to do is take it. But remember, your prescription will never do anything for you if you don't take them. So if you have left your first love today, the altar is open. The altar is here. Your seat is there. Do uh, take care of the business that you need to take care. Get back to your first love. If you recognize that, your prescription, it's ready. Your prescription is ready. Let's pray. 